the awesome privilege right now of introducing our guest today. And uh, so I, I, I want you to, uh, to turn up your honor. I want you to, uh, you don't have to be on your best behavior. They are from Texas. They're used to a little hooting and hollering, right? So, but uh, Tim and Elizabeth Darnell have been friends of Nicole and I's for years. We have known them uh, because we're part of uh, uh, several leadership gatherings uh, together and uh, they pastor a church in Texas. And uh, what, what I have invited them to come and to do today, uh, Nicole and I had the privilege of hearing a testimony that they shared at one of these leaders' events. And as I was hearing it, uh, I, I was feeling, frankly, jealous for our congregation to hear what they're about to drop on us because of all that God did through it. I know that the impact that took place, takes place as you hear it. Faith is going to stir. You're, you're going to be encouraged deeply, and the Holy Spirit is going to stir your heart towards things that, that maybe you have, you know, said uh, that you wouldn't be a part of in the past, or maybe that you felt a little fearful around. There's a boldness that's going to come over you, and it's going to come out of love. An impact of the Holy Spirit is going to change and shape your life, truly. Now, I don't know if I can build it up any more than that. <laughs> We're, there, no, there's no pressure because it's a God thing. But when Nicole and I heard the story you're about to hear, something stirred so deep in me, and I just knew that uh, the Lord had something for us as a household, as a church. And, uh, and so, again, turn up your honor. Turn up your God hunger. Listen to what the Lord is saying to you in the midst of the story. Cause it's not just about the facts of the story. There is something of faith that's going to be built this morning. Are you ready? All right. Now, y'all know how to give a house welcome, okay? I didn't give much work, much work up in the first service, and, and, I, and, it, and it felt it, okay? I need you this morning to give the most outrageous, I mean, just like crazy uh, uh, welcome. I want you to just go, jump out of your seats. I want you to scream, hoot, and holler. I want it to be not Minnesota nice, okay? Roaring this morning from the great north. Are you guys ready? Would you please welcome Tim and Elizabeth Darnell to the stage? Yeah. Good job. Good job. Now, would you just stay standing for a moment? Extend your hands towards these guys. Let's just pray for them right now. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you're at work in and through their lives, and we welcome you this morning, Lord. Would you come and would you minister so powerfully through them? Lord, as vessels of your great mercy and grace, Lord, that it would come upon them, be funneled through them, and impact every life here. God, I just bless them today. Just give them strength to communicate and help them, Lord. Lord, to, uh, to put on display your great goodness in Jesus' name. you agree with that? Amen. Go ahead. Grab a seat there. Amen. That was quite a Texas welcome. I was impressed for sure. Yeah. It sounded like you're at a Cowboys game. Oh. Oh. Yikes. We won't mention three weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> that was awesome, really. I, yeah, yeah. We won't mention that. I thought I was expecting a text fully <laughs> from Jamie. No, really, we are just so honored to be here and grateful and just love what God is doing here. I, I want to share what I shared, something in the first service. When we walked in to the worship, actually both times, it was really interesting. I just began to hear the word pure. Just the Lord was saying, it's pure in here. It's pure. It's pure family. It's pure love. It's pure hearts. It's pure hands. It's pure devotion. That's what the Lord is calling for in here, and that's what is happening. And I begin to think of the verse where it says that when Mary broke the box, it says it was pure nard, and this aroma, it filled the room. What's interesting is everybody left with the aroma of Jesus that day because of one person's purity. And I just felt like 
I want you to know that what God is doing in here is, is supposed to, the aroma is going out of these doors. And I know it's your DNA, but I just want to encourage you. What you're going to hear today, we're going to tell a, a, a story, a beautiful, amazing God story. But it all comes down to this. It was because we, we knew who we were carrying and the purity of, of the gospel and what God was doing. And so we just want you to know that you're going to be the ones telling the stories. We heard Dave and Deb Crone tell a declaration probably 15 years ago now that said that, that we would be the ones telling the stories, not just hearing them. Amen. And we want you to know that what we want to share today is the anointing and breakthrough that you won't just be the ones hearing the stories, you'll be the ones telling them. And I believe that with everything in me, that's the DNA of this house. It's like a room full of stories and testimonies and breakthroughs. And everybody excited for what God's doing in their life and in their world. So we're going to tell a little bit about a story about uh, working with Ukrainian refugees today. Um, we're not Ukrainian, clearly. Um, we're from Texas. Uh, born and raised, and but God did something, and I just want to say this, that this story today that I, we're going to tell, and honestly, Elizabeth's going to tell much of it, because what God was doing in her, it shook our lives, and, um, but it starts out, I just want to say this, we didn't set out to do something great, we just set out to love the people that we were committed to in covenant relationship with, and God did something great. And I, I just, I want to say that I said it in the first service that, that I think we're in a generation that desires to do something great, but many people want to look great while doing it. And God's not interested in that. He's interested in doing something great through you so that he gets all the glory. And if you'll embrace that, I'm telling you, great stories are coming out of this room. And so... This story really begins almost 20 years ago, even farther back, because I, the Lord made me go to Bible school. Anybody, if ever been to Bible school, you know. So I grew up in a Christian church. My dad was an itinerant pastor, and I had no intention of being in the ministry, and he accosted me. And then he said, now you got to go to Bible school. And I was like, no, that wasn't part of the deal. But I didn't realize that what he was doing was he was aligning me with people. In Bible school, that's really what I got out of Bible school was relationship. And my first roommate was Ukrainian. And, I, and it's so funny because, uh, you know, I was an 80s kid. You know, like Red Dawn. You know, America. You know, like the Russians are bad. Anybody with me understand what I'm talking about there? It was the propaganda on our side. I know that now. But... Uh, and so the Lord chuckled when he gave me what I thought a communist roommate. <laughs> what I didn't realize is that in the next few years, I would grow to love not only him, but his culture and his people. And when he would talk about it, something in my heart would burn. And we made covenant relationship with him. After we graduated from Bible school, he actually lived with us for a little while. And our children call him uncle. So I want you to understand the depth of, of what this story comes from. So in 2004, I was invited to go to Ukraine. I said yes because I was going to get to see him, not knowing that it was a full setup from the Holy Spirit that the people that we were going to go minister with and, and pour our life out, it was just me that time, uh, would be people that we entered into covenant relationship with. And their name was Igor and Lena Lyshenko. They were our age. They had kids our age. Um, they had started the church you know, about the same time we had started in ministry, and we just immediately just felt so much love with them. Begin to do strategic life exchange. If you don't know what that is, we began to believe they had something to give us, not just us to give them. Right. So we would go, and, and honestly, they are the most evangelistic, anointed people. They've led most of their city to the Lord. They're just incredible people, and we just love them so much. And we begin to make radical commitment to them. Like, hey, your children are like our children, and we will take care of them the rest of their lives. And they said the same about our kids. And we said, we will honor you and love you and support you. So we've been to all of their anniversaries, all their church anniversaries. We're always doing videos for them. Their daughter's getting married on the 24th of December. And if it wasn't for war, we would be there. So I want you to understand that this story comes out of covenant relationship 
that led to obedience, not forced obedience, happy obedience out of covenant love relationship. And so with that, obviously, you guys know that the war started in February of this year, Russia attacked Ukraine. Now, we're going to say some things, and I just want to be really clear. We're not political. This is all about people. Everybody nod your head. That gets us out of the political realm. Everything we're going to say, because some things might sound opinionated, but we've been there. We've just seen it. We know what's happening a little bit. There are a lot of things we don't know what are going on, too. But we do know this. It's affecting people in both countries. And so we just want to love people well. And so I'm going to let Elizabeth jump in and talk a little bit. Yes. So um, I have to stick to the timeline because I'm not good with timelines. Uh, So March 6th. Uh, we actually, it had been a few weeks after the war had started, and uh, we knew it was brooding. The, the war was imminent, and um, we started to have really hard conversations with our friends there um, that we really do consider family. And, you know, these are hard conversations because um, I, I don't think we will ever understand. Um, I don't even think we can imagine being in their shoes, but if you could just think about if it was your children, you know, making those decisions, you know, should we leave? Should we go? Is it safe? What's going to happen? Bomb sirens going off all the time. You know, what what do we do? And uh, so those are the kind of conversations that we were having with them, which was a privilege to us and a joy. And it felt like holy ground because they were asking us for our opinion and we weren't interested in giving them our opinion. We only wanted to give them the word of the Lord. So it was a very, we didn't sleep much. Of course, their time zone is much different than us. We were having a lot of contact in the night um, because that was when the, the bombs were being, were going off or the sirens going off near them. And uh, so we just were really in tune, you know, with, with how they were doing. Um, and trying to help them make decisions. But on March 6th, it was the Sunday morning. Uh, we were just about to start our service, and they contacted us and said, we feel like we need to leave. Um, and the, so this would be Lena and the children, um, except for the oldest son, who's over 18, and the husband, because the the sons and, uh, well, the men over 18 must stay right now. And so um, they, they didn't feel it was safe. Eager uh, was caring for um, the other people in their church body, a lot of them elderly that could not move. They, they, they're not going to evacuate. They're not in, in right health and the roads are difficult and things like that. So he said, if, if the family could go on, at least then I, I would know they would, they're safe and I can care for those who are remaining. And so, so that morning we told the church they're, they're, they're headed out and we need, we know we need to meet them. Um, this, this family, they live in a rural area of Ukraine. They are not familiar with other countries ways. And Lena is not interested in doing anything without her husband, to be honest. And so we knew we had to be there to help them. So, um, our church blessed us, and in 48 hours, we were on a plane uh, bound for Poland. We bought a ticket to Poland because we just didn't know where she was going to end up at that time. You probably saw it was still really in the news at that time, you know, thousands of refugees coming across the border uh, into Poland at, at, the, at, at the start and then other countries. And so uh, we just started in Poland, and um, the first miracle is we got a van, there were no vans to be had because everybody was trying to get out or go somewhere, you know. And so even if you got out of Ukraine, you, not everybody could stay in Poland. And there were no vehicles, but we didn't know that. And we very easily um, got a van. And it was this bright, ugly green van, um, the ugliest green you've ever seen. I, I've never seen one like it before, and I'm not sure we'll see another one. But um, the reason we got a van, and it plays into the story, really, because... Uh, we just didn't know what was going to happen and who was going to be with us and who we would need to help. So it was Tim and I and one other um, gentleman who's uh, doing a lot of rescue work, actually still in and out of the country. And so the three of us in this van, and um, we just started driving. So by this time, um, we had landed and we knew where they were, and they were in Czech Republic. And so we drove across Poland into Czech Republic, and um, I very simply got on my phone and Googled hotels. 
that's that's cut and dry. We didn't have any word of the Lord on that. We just, you know, Googled it <laughs> and uh, found a hotel with a you know some good ratings, good good stars, and 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 landed there. So. Um, I'm going to tell you a lot of detail today. Um, I'm not a detail person, but the, the randomness of where God showed up is so significant, it's ridiculous. It's not probable. It's not likely. It's just us doing what we were doing, what we knew to do, and moving forward, and he would meet us. So that's why, just so hang on that, because that's going to play into uh, more details of where we landed. Do I keep going? Let me just say this. I, I yes. want to say this. We didn't know where we were going. When the church, you know, we, we met with the leadership after church, and we just said, hey, we know we're supposed to go. And they said, we do too. And then, you know, you always have the one like, where are you going? When are you landing? What's the, what's the plan? And I said, I don't know. And I just want to tell you, sometimes God's going to lead you in the unknown. And, and Jamie mentioned something earlier, but I think it's about comfort. It wasn't like, here's the itinerary. It was just like, will you go? Will you go? Will you just get on a plane? And so we, when we chose Poland, we just thought, well, it's pretty centralized, and it's right on the border. But we, we were really preparing to go into Ukraine, and, and the Texas enemy was like, should I bring a gun? You know, like all these things. And the Lord was like, no gun, you know. Um, but... What we were preparing for, we didn't know. And, and funny enough, y'all wouldn't call it cold, but it seemed cold to us. So even going in in, in March where the, it was, seemed pretty cold, we're like, are we going to end up sleeping on the floor in tents? Where are we headed, you know? And I just want you to know that um, God is in the unknown. He might lead you, in, and it's like Abraham, like, where are we going? Like, take a step forward. And so that's what we did, and it was all about our yes. It was just our yes and our church's yes. I mean, honestly, you should have heard them when we told them we were going. The whole church then said, go, go get our people, go love our people, you know, and because they've come and ministered at our church, and they know them, and there's much love and connection between. So I just want you to know that, like, we weren't on full itinerary. You know, and, and, and God led us. So Liz was going to share a few more of the details here as we got into well, the city. why don't you tell the dream? Okay, right. That's kind of the most important part, right? So interesting enough, when we were leaving, we just sent out a text to our staff and said, hey, if anyone's hearing anything from the Lord, just text us. And our youth pastor texted and said, hey, I had this dream. I, I'm pretty sure it's from the Lord, and I think I have the interpretation. He started telling me the dream. It was like, you know, we were in a car, and we were driving through the woods, and then into this, this river bank, and it was muddy, and there was fire, and there were bombs. And I was like, just tell me the interpretation. And he was like, hey, I think the interpretation is you can trust the rich man in the nice car, the expensive car. And I was like, no, I need the interpretation. He said, no, that's what I feel like God told me to tell you. You can trust the rich man in the expensive car. The only other word I had is I woke up the morning we were getting on the airplane. The Lord said, I'm taking you to the neck of the funnel. So I just assumed that meant the border. Right? And, you know, we assume a lot of things when we hear God talk. And so, um, but we just, when we get on the plane, I remember we were holding hands, walking down the room. And I said, well, we're going to find the rich man with the nice car. And that's the step. See, God's still doing Macedonian calls. He's still leading through dreams and visions. And, you know, we have to understand that God is still the God of the Bible. And, you know, a lot of times we're in here and we're worshiping. And then, then he asks us to do something wild. And we're like, whoa, I need some confirmation on that. And he's like, I just gave you a vision. <laughs> like, well, when I have three visions. Like, no, it was like trust the rich man in the expensive car. And that was enough. You know, and so we went into that fully expecting to run into the rich man with a nice car, and we could trust him. We didn't know what that meant, but you're going to hear in a minute, God was in the, in the business of setting us up. Totally. Yes, and so um, it's really sweet. We really wanted to do something kind of normal with the girls. Um, so uh, our, our, our goal was to find, like, you know, a coffee shop and things like that. And so... Um, 
we, we, you know, again, had our GPS out, you know, looking around, and the first coffee shop was closed, so, you know, you just scroll through, you guys know, you know, you look for the next one, and uh, went around the corner, and there was another one that was open, and so we're like, perfect, so we stopped there, and uh, we, uh, we, we started to walk inside, all of us, I think Tim was the first one in, and all of a sudden, there was a man across the room, he gets up, he beelines straight to Tim, and he just puts his hand out, and he takes his hand. He's like, why are you here? And I'll, I'll let him tell that part. Yeah, and so when I took his hand, I heard the Lord say, you're talking to a lion in the city. And I know what that means. I mean, the Lord have codes sometimes. I mean, like a king. He's like a king in the city. He's one of influence. And he just sat there, and no exaggeration, for 10 minutes, Jimmy, we just held hands literally he just he wouldn't let go of my hand and so the girls are there and he's kind of trying to talk in some broken english and some broken russian to them and finally they just go and sit down they want a coffee and and he and i and then finally he just says why are you here why are you here and i just felt like the lord just said be totally honest and i just said we're here because we're in covenant relationship with that family and they need our help and he goes you flew here for one family and i said yes we did and then he just said, come with me. Oh, my, oh. I didn't tell you, it kind of had a mafia feel. The whole thing, like, legitimately. A, like, a guy standing with him, like a bodyguard. And, like, when we're walking in, there was a really nice Mercedes there. And, obviously, we took note of that. And, like, and he's like, come with me. And he still has my hand. And he just starts leading me down, like, this dark alleyway. And I was like, oh, this is it. And I don't mean the man with the rich car, with the rich man with the nice cars. Like, this could be the end. And, and we come around the corner, we open a door, and we go into a building about the third this size. And it's a warehouse. And he clicks on the lights, and it's full of donated materials. Completely full. Clothes, furniture, baby things, food. Just what, it, what your mind is imagining right now is what it looked like. And he turns to me and goes, not bad, huh? I said, what? And he goes, we've raised this in the last two or three days just from a Facebook group. And then he just takes the key and he tosses it to me. I catch it and he goes, it's yours to run while you're here. I said, excuse me? He goes, yeah, just, you just bring people here. We don't know any Ukrainians. He goes, you clearly do. He goes, bring the people here and you run the warehouse while you're here. So I walked back to the coffee shop. I sat down. Elizabeth goes, what was that all about? I said, we have a warehouse full of stuff. <laughs> so that's the first king that God gave us influence with immediately from a wrong turn in, the, in a closed coffee shop. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I know. Oh, it's it just cool, gets right? wild. It just gets wait. wild. So... Um, the next morning, we go down to breakfast and in this random hotel that we found on Google, and we open, open the door, and the room is full of Ukrainians. It's all Ukrainian, mostly women and children, some young boys, too, um, and they're all displaced, and there they were, and I was like, oh, interesting, God, interesting, you know? And uh, we did our best to do a little bit of communication with them right then. And, um, I, you know, it was, it was challenging, but uh, we just worked through it together because um, really they just wanted to be heard. They, they knew we loved them. And not because we love Ukrainians particularly. We just love Jesus, and Jesus loves Ukrainians. And all of a sudden we could feel his heart, you know, for them. And... Um, we did our best and kind of muddled through it. Um, but then we went to meet up with our, our little family that we knew, and we knew we had to find housing for them uh, because this is now a temporary setup, and um, there was uh, Ukrainians everywhere. Everybody, it was like the buzz. Everybody was looking for open, uh, you know, apartments, open houses, anything that could house Ukrainians. And um, so we found out several things that day. We found out 
that there was a massive detention center in the city where we happened to land um, that uh, held over 800 Ukrainians. It was an empty detention center that had been used um, during the war and had set vacant all those years. Uh, just right outside the city, and it was everything you imagine an old detention center to be, the really high walls and the razor wire, you know, and everything, and it was full of Ukrainians. Um, and what we found out as well is that every Ukrainian that came across the border into Czech Republic went through Ostrava into the city where we were. Uh, and so there was the funnel word. They were all coming through. Um, there was a registration center, and let me just tell you, the, the people of the Czech Republic were amazing. The country, the government, amazing, amazing. They were so moved by this situation, and they told us, we understand. We understand what it's like not to be free. We remember. We remember we will fight with them. We will stand with them. And so they were all in with us, which was super cool because um, not, I mean, these were not believers, most of them. You know, they, they just knew their experience and they were like, we will stand with them. We, knew the, we know these people would rather die than um, to be, you know, taken back in under Russia's rule. So we um, we were just amazed that it was already it was just coming together. God was revealing, you know, His little plan, uh, well, His big plan for us little people <laughs> um, in this city where we were at. And so um, we knew then that the green van was going to come into play. By the way, um, but uh, I'm kind of telling two stories simultaneously. I know, but um, anyway, we we took our little family and we went to meet with a man that had an apartment building uh, and happened to be the owner of the apartment building. I think he had heard we were in town and he was coming to find out what was up. But he showed us around every square inch of that apartment. And it was small, uh, but it was perfect. And we said, yes, we would take it for them. And he takes us out onto the patio because he wanted us to see the patio. You know, it's like literally 24 inches wide, I think. <laughs> uh, but he wanted us to see it. And Tim peers over the balcony and he looks down and there's a car in the parking lot that was, you couldn't miss it. It was, I had never seen a BMW like that before. Um, it was very, very nice. And he goes, is that your car? And uh, the man said, yes. And we looked at each other like, trust the rich man with a nice car. It's number two. <laughs> and turns out that um, he is also a very influential leader in the city. Uh, interestingly enough, the city that we were in was divided by a river, and the man we met at the coffee shop the night before runs that side of the river. The man we met the next day runs the other side. Of course, they're dual, dueling uh, leaders in the city, which is hilarious, but uh, uh, we, we laughed about that many times. But as we um, be continued our conversation with him, he was, you could tell his heart was softening. And he started asking us questions. And then he said to us, oh, I have something I, I need to show you. I have a building I need to show you. Would you come and see it? And, you know, we had nothing else to do. So we had no agenda, no plan. We were just following God's lead. And so we said, sure. So Tim hops in the nice car. Um, I hop in the green van with our family, and we, we go a couple miles up the street, and there was a building there. It was under construction, so not much to look at, um, but it was clearly, you know, had multiple units in it, and um, we got close to it, and my heart started to pound. There was something about that building that was not like another building or any other building. Actually, I've never felt what I felt before. Let me say that. I, I walked in, and it was a, a brief foyer right up some stairs. And just as we worked up the stairs, I just <laughs> more just began to weep. And I was overcome with really the presence of God. And I really wasn't sure what was going on at all. Um, but as we got the little tour of that, facility. We came back down the stairs and we're standing outside and I just said, what is this place? What is this place? You could tell it was close to his heart. He is a very, very wealthy man with many, many, many properties with more money than he could spend in his lifetime. That's what he told us. And this was the very first property that he had bought when he was a young man. 
And it turns out that that building was a Jewish community center that had been full of Jews. Uh, and during World War II, when the Nazis came and raided, they raided the entire building, took everyone, and they died in concentration camps, including the owner of the building. And here was this gentleman, his name was Roman, and he bought that building. It was the next owner afterwards. And oh my goodness, I could feel the history, you know, in that building. I could feel um, the importance of it. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I knew, I knew we had to have that building. We had to have it. We had to put Ukrainians in it. But, you know, I was trying to be calm because um, I, I don't even know why I thought that. That was not my idea. I don't generally walk into buildings and say, we need this building. And especially, we did not want to be land uh, owners or, you know, whatever you call it in another country where we couldn't speak the language. And let me tell you, the banking has been a nightmare. Tim had to fly over in June just to sign some papers because we couldn't do it from Texas. And uh, oh, now I just gave away some of the end of the story, but anyway. It's all good. That was a hint. But um, we, as, we, as we sat there, as we drove away, both of us were like God's up to something bigger than, than us driving around in the green van. So that's the seed planted there for the Jewish Community Center. Um, meanwhile, I'll just talk about the refugees. Um, meanwhile, now... Our every spare minute that we had, which we didn't have much else to do, we were driving up and down the road, uh, up a hill to the to the detention center, and we 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 couldn't get into the detention center. We knew it was full of Ukrainians, but um, which I appreciated. They had at least some um, some rules. You know, you could show paperwork to get in, but not everybody could come in because that just would have created chaos. And so we said, you know what, we'll just sit outside the door and see what God does. Now, Lena was with us. Uh, of course, she speaks Ukrainian, and so, and she is a pure evangelist. Everyone she speaks to, she tells about Jesus. So we sat there, and it wasn't 15 minutes. There were two families come through the doors, through the big, you know, barred doors of the detention center, and Lena jumps out, and she could tell right away they had nothing. They had nothing. These people had escaped, you know, with like a, a grocery bag everything, their whole lives in a grocery bag. Um, many of them at that time, it, Mariupol had just been attacked um, in the far um, east of Ukraine, and the city was decimated. We found out way more since then, but we only knew that it had been hit heavily, and um, the people there had lost everything. They'd lost husbands, brothers, sons. It was devastation, pure devastation. So as these two families were coming out, and Lena hopped out um, and just just began to ask them what their plan was, what they needed, simple questions, because we knew everyone needed everything. There was no limit, really, to what they needed. Um, and so she said, well, come on, come with us, and we'll take you down to the warehouse, and we'll get you some things. And so all day long, for days, and we were there a total of about 10 days, I think, but during the day, we would make a couple trips up there, and then, of course, people began to know that we, we had the warehouse, you know, and we would take them, take them down. And so, but these first two families, when we took them to the warehouse and they filled up bags as much as they could carry, um, at the end, we put them in a circle, then I put them in a circle, and she told the gospel. She shared the gospel with them. Every one of them got saved. The Holy Spirit showed up. They started speaking in tongues. I mean, it was this, like, radical God encounter moment, right? Yeah. So that kind of set up. Now we had a plan. We bring them down there, they get what they need, and then we give them Jesus. And that's what we did. Every one of them, we would just share the gospel and, and lead them to Jesus. They were so desperate and so helpless, you know, in their situation. Their hearts were just open. And it's been a beautiful testimony, just not related to what we were doing. But hopefully you guys have been hearing some of the testimonies of um, uh, some people on the borders, uh, the thousands upon thousands have been coming to Jesus through this. Um, and uh, how I say it is, you know, we, we maybe can't stop a war, but we're going to make the devil pay for it with souls, souls, thousands and thousands of souls. The harvest is ripe, is ripe. So I just want to be real clear. It's the first time in all of our years of ministry that everyone we shared the gospel with got saved. 
everyone. If they were not a believer, everyone we shared the gospel got saved. And I was like, oh, it's ripe. You know, like, it's ripe. And it just began to change, like, I mean, the energy. Like, you could go forever. We would just, we were going all day long, just back and forth, back and forth to the warehouse. And, and it's funny that the warehouse seemed like the loaves and fish. It just never seemed to run out. It was just crazy. We would just get there, and there would be more stuff piled in there every time we would show up. People kept bringing the, things. The Czech people just bringing as much stuff. We could give it away, and then we'd come the next morning and be full again. It was just incredible to watch. So I just I want to share just a little bit about uh, Roman, because this is all about people, right? And, and God doesn't use people. He doesn't use people. He loves people. And so even the rich man with the expensive car, God's in full love with and pursuit of. And so every night we would do this all day, and then he would call and say, let's go have dinner. And we would go to the restaurant and just sit there. The first time we sat, he opened up, and he, he literally had brought, like, a Septuagint. And he, he loves the Jewish people because of the house that Elizabeth said. And he said, would you explain to me the New Testament? I said, you bet I will. I mean, it was, it was, but it was like Bible school questions. It was tough, man. It was like, he was ready. I was to, out. I was yeah. out. It was. <laughs> he did great. All he did is smile. And he was like, oh, God's on her, you know, like. And it was amazing, though. Every night, we're just loving on him, sharing the gospel. He's not a believer yet, so if you want to remember in your prayers, Roman, it's his time. Let me say this. He's read through the Bible three times, cover to cover. He's ready. He's looking. Yeah, he's going to find Jesus. he's He's on that hinge point of what to do with Jesus. And we just kept telling him, we're here because of Jesus. And he goes, well, if we have more people like that, I might believe in Jesus. I was like, you just keep watching. Jesus is about to show off. And so even asked about the Holy Spirit, and, and I, instead of trying to convince him, I said, well, why don't we just invite him to come? And he said, what? And I said, let's just invite him to come. And we invited him, and he was like, ooh, I like this. <laughs> right? we got to remember the Holy Spirit is the one in pursuit. And so we just, I just want you to know that like, we're not using the rich man in the nice car. God is in full pursuit and loves him. Yes. <laughs> and he's our partner now. He's our partner now, not just our friend, not just someone we had a dream about. Like, he messaged me sometimes just say, what's God doing right now in your life? And I just ask him how his children are and how his wife is. And it's, it's his time. Yeah. And so do you want to just share a little bit? More? Yeah. Yeah. So um, kind of the next steps that, that happened in the mornings, I just want to to go back to talk about the Ukrainians at the hotel in the mornings because that was really key for us to, to kind of tap in to what heaven was doing. Um, the, the ladies there, because, you know, we, we had interaction with them, it was, it was really more one-on-one. you got to understand that my personality, Tim's personality, both of us, we're, we're real fix-it people. I think it was, it's the years of ministry. I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, you see a problem, you just want to fix it. You know, you just, whatever, let's just get it done, you know. But, but in a situation like this, there's no quick fix. It, it's not quick. Now, in the beginning, oh, man, we were all hoping it would be short, you know, and just go back home, that they could go back home. Um, but here we are months and months later. So, when, when we realized, it was, it was almost like just slowing down and stopping for these that were in the breakfast room. And there, they, there were ladies that, with the Google Translate, you know, were just typing in who, who had died, you know, who had lost, who was lost, you know, showing pictures of, of missiles that had gone into their apartment buildings, you know, and things like that. And we began to recognize that what, what God wanted to do right then and there with them is just just to be with them. They needed to be heard. They needed to be seen. They needed to be loved. And that was enough. And so over and over, that's what we would do. Still, they want to be seen. They want to be known. They want to be loved. And so all of a sudden, it was like, you know, my heart, beat. My heart was beating with God's heart. You know, you could just feel it. And I just shared tears with them. We would just cry together. I had no answers 
for them in the natural. Do you understand that? And I'm sure some of you have circumstances like that. You've been around people, you, in, in, maybe in your own life. I don't have answers for this. And that's okay. It's got to be okay to not have answers. Because Jesus is the answer. It's one answer. His name is Jesus. And he is enough. He is more than enough to meet every need, every person. I mean, you think about the, the, the little things that we're doing. It's little compared to the grandness of millions of people that are suffering in this nation. Millions in Russia suffering. No one is getting out unscathed here, people. I mean, everyone is hurting. This is a barbaric, terrible situation. People are hurting. So the idea that we could make a difference didn't feel like it. It felt like a drop in the bucket. But when we opened those breakfasts, opened the door for breakfast in the mornings, it was just like, I remember. I, I hear you, Jesus. I, I know what you're saying now. I know what they need. I know what they need. And I, I just, that scripture came to life for me. Love compels us, you know, compelled by love. You've heard the phrase. It's pretty Christianese, but it's real. Because it's not my personality, really. But, I mean, I, we would just see, we would see Ukrainians because you could spot them. Oh, yeah. And we just, I just want to, I'd have to stop. I have to stop and just, even if we couldn't say anything, just stop. And touch them. And just say, Jesus. Love compels us. If love isn't why we're doing what we do, it's just going to be empty. It counts for nothing. It's a clanging gong, right? Like 1 Corinthians 13 says. Love never fails. Love never fails. <laughs> yeah. Man, I wish I had video of, of her during those days, just because they really wanted to be with a woman. It was really interesting, and just watching it over and over and over, the healing and the compassion of Jesus over and over. Sometimes just stop the van on the side of the road and just get out and give them a hug and ask them what they needed, and they would just start weeping and just and hug you, like, and love. And they just let it. I mean, we were the strangers in the green van, and they would just get in the van, you know, and just trust us completely and... Um, but out of this, what's wild is, so we said yes to renting the house. We said yes, and, I, and as I began to do the math, you know, math is dangerous sometimes. But the, I was like, that's like a third of the church's budget if we say yes. And the Lord was like, do you trust me? And I was like, completely. And he said, just say yes. And so... We just said yes, and I just want to share this real quick because I want to make sure we have plenty of time to minister. Um, the money, though, was wild. By the time we got back, and in two days, we had $25,000 in the bank to just pay the down payment, just from churches, churches around America, God's people. All, and all they knew is that we were there. They, we That's all they knew. They we, didn't know we were trying to rent a house or anything. They just started sending money. Um, and God was like, I'm about to show off, and I'm about to teach you that money is easy. I mean, we all get to grow in the process. And so I was like, God, you know, and I mean, I was up at night sometime like doing the math and he was like, stop, I've got it. And so we just begin to just trust and I'd quit asking how much it was going to cost and like God's going to provide. I jumped on a Zoom call um, with someone from the church and they said, hey, I need you to get 15 minutes. I jumped on. Uh, it was a blank Zoom call and, and it was just him and he said, this is the board of a nonprofit organization. Tell them what you're doing. And he said, we don't give anything internationally, but they want to know what you're doing. So I told him what we're doing. In 14 minutes, we had $47,000 given. Like, like it was this immediate, like they want, because each board member could donate how much they wanted. And so they, $47,000. And then God has just been providing. And, and, and I want to say this too. There's been some months that the church has provided because he wants us to be a part of it too. And, and um, we've stood it for our people and said, hey, we're going to pay for a month. And even sometimes I asked our leaders, is this okay? And of course, like, give it all, you know, if that's what he's asking. And so the, the money part has been fun and, and an adventure. And don't do the math sometimes, you know, just keep trusting. And that he's shown up every time. Yeah. And how many? It's 16. So in, in the apartment, there's, uh, there's 18 units. Two of them we're using for rescue that we've partnered with a group that's doing rescue. They need some just hidden houses. That, so we have two rooms 
there, and I could go into a whole other group of the stories of people that are going into Ukraine, rescuing families and women and trafficking. It's incredible. Um, but uh, we have right now, I think there's 47 in the house, 47 Ukrainians that we're housing right now for free. Um, we're taking care of all the bills, and we're just encouraging them to find some work. And, and the government of the Czech Republic is paying for their food. So basically, they're self-sufficient by what God's doing in the house. And then we've had another 20 or 30 come in and out that have either come, stayed for a month or two, and then gone back to Ukraine. Because some areas of Ukraine are safe right now. And so just want you to know God is doing big stuff. And I just want to end like this. Uh, Elizabeth got to share about love. I think what I came home with, with the revelation is that we're rich. We're rich. And I think we need to remember that we're carrying the most powerful message on the planet. It says, you know, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We're rich. As we were walking around even the two lions in the city were looking at us like, what are you doing and how can we help you? What do you have that I don't have? And I've got to share it. I've been able to share it. We're carrying Jesus and it's the love of God that's got us here. And, the, and it's not like they're like, oh, that's weird. They're like, that's so neat. Tell me more. We're rich. And, we, and I, I think in a weird way, the church in, in America, I'm going to pick on the American church for a minute, has adapted a thing that we don't have anything to offer. And maybe you're in a situation that you feel helpless and you don't feel like you have anything to offer. You have plenty to offer because the Christ in you, the hope of glory dwells. It's the riches of Christ in you. You are so rich. And God is saying, I want you to recognize the richness so that you can carry solutions. Don't ask for solutions before you know that you're rich. He won't give them to you until you recognize that you actually have the solution and it's Jesus. It's Jesus, and you know, I think sometimes we want it to be more complicated than that because it sounds cooler, but what we've lost is the message that Jesus is the answer for every question, and we have to embrace it in our generation of church again, and we'll start carrying solutions, and so I just want you to know right now, like, I want you to let it get on the inside of you, and Jamie, if you want to come on up. I just want you to know that you're rich and God's wanting to stir the riches up in you because that's what happened. It wasn't like we got rich. We just recognized the riches of who we, well, who we were carrying because people were drawing from it. Yeah. And he wants you to walk out of here today with the aroma of Christ all over you that you know I'm rich. And everyone I meet today is, it has the ability to have an encounter with God because of the riches that are in me. You're rich. I stood up in front of our church. The first thing I said when we got home is we just stood and wept in front of our church. And we said, we're rich. The same solutions we've carried in Czech Republic and Ukraine, we will carry for our city. And so, you know, I, I, I invite Jamie up here because he, I, I believe this, that he knows what he would love for, to be imparted in here today from not just a good story, a God story. You know, there's a few things that uh, stood out to me as they're sharing today. First of all, that their yes was directly connected to where their heart had been connected. This relationship with your these friends, these this covenant relationship that you formed, that commitment, the purity of that relationship became uh, this this center point where heaven would break out and through and. I feel like sometimes we overcomplicate it where we get focused on the big thing or the big need and then we look at our situation and go, well, what can I do? I'm so small in the big situation. And, and we do feel a little helpless at times, but I want you to know today that your connection, your yes before the Lord, the purity of where you are connected in love, that that place is like an open door for heaven to pour through into situations. That you're saying yes to him and in your connection to him and your love for the Lord and your connection to heaven and then as you have opened your heart and you've connected with people, that those places stand as a, an open gate for the resources of heaven to pour through. Y'all, and nothing is impossible for Christ. Christ. 
Nothing. Nothing's impossible. And so even though the situation feels big, that open door of your connectedness to people. And, and today, this isn't necessarily about the Ukraine. It really isn't. I, I, I'm wanting to hear the story beyond that. I'm wanting to hear that their yes to their friends opened a door where God inserted them into a geopolitical conflict. They were just trying to take care of their friends. The next thing you know, they're opening up a door for heaven to invade into a refugee crisis. Who knows what God does through your yes? Listen, you love your family, okay? And they're going through some stuff. Why don't you allow the love for your family to open that door and insert yourself into that situation and watch God move on their behalf? You might not be able to solve it personally, but I bet that the resources of heaven could pour through you through your love. Some of you are called to people groups, and you've been stirred towards certain people groups. Maybe situations that go beyond, you know, it's not, there's, Ukraine is not the only place in the world right now that has crisis. There's a lot of places in the world that are experiencing crisis right now, and the brothers and sisters in Christ that we have are going through stuff. And y'all, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we share in the common covenant of Christ. We, we took the body and the blood of the Lord this morning. We shared in that covenant. That covenant unites us with the body of Christ worldwide. Y'all, what if your passion, your love for a people group that God put on your heart, maybe even when you were a kid, what if the Lord was reopening that door again today? That thing in us needs to be reawakened. My prayer today is that the Holy Spirit would cause your hearts to hear his voice and would reawaken towards things that you thought were impossible before, but the Lord is saying, nah, if you'll say yes to me, nothing's impossible. Truly, nothing's impossible. Maybe it looks like reaching out and touching racial conflict in the neighborhood. Maybe it looks like stepping into corporate conflict. Maybe it looks like you standing in between a brother and sister who no longer get along and have fallen apart, but you can insert yourself in that situation and stand holding both hands and watch as the Lord restores something that was lost. Are you, is anybody alive today? I don't know where the Lord's calling you. Maybe it is to directly get involved with what's happening in Ukraine. Maybe, for real. We, we, have, we have many who, who are connected to that region in, in their f family relationships or have come and are a part of our community now, but we're a part of a community that was directly connected. Y'all, let's reawaken this stuff because as God is calling you and I as individuals, he's also calling us corporately to get involved. Would you... Do me a favor this morning. I want you to stand up. We're going to bring draw the service to a close. I'm going to have Tim and Elizabeth pray over us. But I'm, I'm, I'm calling to you. I'm calling you to stir up that thing. Because this house, this church, is connected to the nations. God does a work here, and he's wanting it to touch the world. If I did a survey just in this room of where y'all are from, we are from the nations, y'all. We, we have friends and family connected all over the world. The Lord's calling and he's stirring us as a people to get involved. Your intercession, your prayers, but inserting yourself, just saying yes to the Lord and watching as he opens doors that you couldn't possibly imagine. He'll do it if you'll allow him to. Would you put a hand on your own heart this morning? Holy Spirit of God, we just invite you right now. Would you come? Holy Spirit, would you stir the waters again? Stir it up. By faith, Lord, stir it up this morning. There have been some who have you hardened your heart because you went, oh, it's impossible. What can I do? I'm too small. And so you just stiffened a little bit when the Holy Spirit stirred you. But I'm telling you, when you hear a story like this and you hear that love compelled the way and awakened something, I wonder if God would do the same in you today. I wonder if he's been stirring your heart's waters and compelling you by love. Lord, would you breathe upon those waters again? Holy Spirit, breathe on those waters again. Awaken them, Lord. Awaken them. Come on, would you say that over yourself? Awaken me, Lord. Awaken me, Lord.
Holy Spirit, would you speak to each heart? Awaken them again, Lord, to people groups, to purposes, to conflicts, to situations, Lord, that you want to do something, but it has to be compelled by love. It can't be a compelled by an agenda you can't try to go and try to achieve something it won't be solved by trying to achieve something you have to let the love of Christ compel you heaven wants to move through you but you got to let go of your control and agenda to see something happen you gotta just allow the love of the Lord to lead the way and he will open heaven's resources Holy Spirit would you breathe on hearts this morning would you stir love again Jesus Stir love again. Awaken love again. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Tim, would you just pray over us as a people? Would you impart? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, just, I feel like the Lord is just dealing with the lie in here right now that you don't have anything to offer. And I literally saw a picture of the man with one talent bearing his talent. He says, I am literally awakening the talents that have been buried in the room because you believe the lie that you, you are going to mess it up or that you don't have a purpose or a destiny or a, even why am I going to get my yes? I don't even know what it's to. And I just feel like the Lord is just saying, just give your preemptive yes again. And there's about to be some things that are totally awakened in you afresh. Come on, you know the lie. If you believe the lie, all it takes to deal with a lie is to embrace the truth. And I just see it's like literally like talents coming out of the ground, like Lazarus coming out of the tomb. So we just call forth the talents that have been buried out of fear or insignificance. And we just say, come forth. Come forth. And if just everyone just put out your hands, now it's going to get dangerous. We're going to give them our yes. He will never pry your yes out of you. It's our free will that gives him our yes. But I want to tell you that it's a safe place because he also won't abuse our yes. Because he's a good father. And if we ask for the Holy Spirit, he'll never give us a snake or a rock. Come on, embrace him. He's the good father. So what you're about to do as you give your yes is the most safe place because it's through the father. So with hands out, just out loud, just give him your yes right now. Just say, here's my yes, Jesus. Here's my yes to my neighbors. Here's my yes to my destiny, my purpose. Here's my yes to the unknown. Here's my yes and the mundane that turns into amazing. Come on, one more time. Just give him your yes out loud. I feel like with a room full of this many people, there should be a little louder. Here's our yes. It says when the people of Israel gave their offering it was so loud that they could be heard for miles here's our yes god here's our yes come on you're a charismatic church you can give your yes a little louder. here's my yes god here's my yes reminded of Romans 12 1 I urge you brothers and sisters to offer your bodies as a holy sacrifice a living holy sacrifice this is your worship this is your worship to your king your yes your yes it's a holy sacrifice a living and holy sacrifice He's going to consume it. He's going to consume you. The fire of God that will burn as you offer your body, your very life, your yes, 
We say yes, we say yes, we say yes, we say yes. Yeah. This is my worship. This is my holy offering. This is my honor to please my loving King. This is my worship. This is my holy offering. This is my honor to please my loving King. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you with our lives. This is my worship. This is my holy offering. This is my honor. I want to please my loving King. This is my worship. This is my holy offering. This is my honor. I want to please my I want to close today um, by a little bit of an activation, okay? And uh, the, the, they didn't share this with you, but there are practical needs associated with the ministry that they <laughs> find themselves walking into financially. There's, there's, still, there's still three months of paying for that building, and I would really like to pay for it today. And uh, I'd love to do it just in one offering here. I know some of you have the ability in this room just to write a check, and you could have bought the building just because that's the kind of resource the Lord's given. But that's not what I'm after today. I'm, I'm after as a congregation that this people would sow the widow's might back towards this. I, I want everybody's participation. I want our hearts engaged in a crisis that the body of Christ finds itself in. And a practical mean is just by giving to that. And so if you got cash in your pocket, I'm going to ask that the ushers come forward. We're also going to give you an opportunity here. So if you go to the digital form of giving, it pulls you up to a menu. And when uh, there's a drop-down menu, there's something called a special offering there. Just click on that. And if you want to give digitally. But I would love us to just take care of whatever remains of the debt and uh, sow into this thing because it really matters. Um, and sow into, you know, uh, taking care of, frankly, the widows and orphans, legit. And uh, people that have nothing right now, and there are brothers and sisters in Christ, so that'd be awesome if we could just go ahead and do that. So you can just go ahead and begin to pass those buckets. Lord, I bless the seed that's being sown this morning. I bless it. Like what you did, Jesus, over the bread before you divided it, you declared over it, you blessed it, you gave thanks for it. And it became enough. And so, Lord, I just declare that over this, that what we give this morning, that it will be enough. Listen, if you have the ability and you want to give big, go for it. So according to faith this morning, give, let love compel you. So, Lord, we just declare this morning that what's given, that it would, it would be used to advance your kingdom and that people that have lost everything, would suddenly they, they would find themselves face to face with the goodness of God. And that you would, you would move so powerfully on their behalf. And then, Lord, we just thank you for the work that's being done by Tim and Elizabeth, yes, but others. There's so many others involved. And, Lord, we just bless. We bless the work of their hands on the front lines of conflicts around the world and stepping into the gap, bridging the gap. It's what we're called to do, y'all. It's what Jesus does. He bridges the gap. He's the repairer of the breach. He steps into situations that are broken and suddenly the redemption of heaven comes about. Thank you, Lord, that you're, redeem you're, you're redeeming the purpose, Lord, even of that facility, that, that Jewish uh, uh, home, Lord, that apartment building that was stolen through war and, and Lord, you're suddenly, you're restoring it to redemptive purpose, Lord. And we thank you for that and we just bless its roots. We bless it that it would become a fruit-giving tree, that it would continually be used in the future for the goodness of God to be displayed. And thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in our hearts this morning. We just say yes to you. We say yes to you. We say yes to you. Thank you, Lord. So we bless this offering, declare it 
for your glory, Lord, for your kingdom's purpose. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. All right. Now, would you just receive a blessing? I'll release you. Father, bless your people today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's countenance be towards you, that you would know his favor. May his grace, his graciousness towards you be outrageous. May the shalom of heaven guard your hearts and minds, and you might walk in his peace all the days of your life and advance his kingdom wherever you go. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare these things, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give a good thank you to Tim and Elizabeth for coming out today?